Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. baby welcome in it is a monday edition of new york new york with yours truly jj john jastrzemski right here on the ringer podcast network and you know i have to say i was very concerned this weekend about how my life would operate the first sunday since labor day weekend where football was not a significant part of my daily routine. And listen, I think this goes for all of us that are NFL aficionados. And I would say 95 to 98 of percentage of my podcast listeners would probably fit this demographic, would probably fit this motif that you know that, hey, regular season, first round, second round of the playoffs, it's one o'clock, boom, till about 10, 11, 11.30 that your life is all-encompassing NFL. And the last couple of weeks, not last Sunday, but other weeks, instances, whatever you want to call it, Saturday is coming to play. Where Saturday and Sunday, you're thinking about the NFL and there's no escape. It was kind of great this weekend. We had a great weekend. Now, maybe selfishly, I just had myself a great weekend. We had a kick-ass, rewatchable show on Friday. Stefan and I both attended. Uh, Bill, Van Lathan, Chris, Fantasy, uh, they did Rounders. And by the way, I am now itching to either go and rewatch Rounders, which I have not done. I've seen a movie, I've seen a movie a zillion times. I have not rewatched it recently. And I'm also dying to get in one of my poker games. I got to get Stefano one of my poker games. Uh, after the honeymoon, we'll have to set up a big poker extravaganza because I feel like all of the Teddy KGB vibes. After going through their podcast on Friday. So I want to uh, shout out and salute the Ringer team. They did a fantastic job across the board. We had a ton of fun. We had a great late night. And we took it from there. Yesterday, I'm sitting there watching college basketball up the wazoo, which I love doing on Saturdays now. And then my wife and I, with my sister and her now husband, we said, let's go see our wedding band. 
So we go to Kettle Black on Staten Island. Cool little establishment. Rocking out the house. Man down. I've talked about them a ton. I'm feeling it. I'm dancing. I'm moving. I'm shaking. I'm sure you follow me on Instagram. You saw all the videos. We had a ton of fun with that. And then today, I'm having a great morning. I tape Ian Begley, who will join the podcast a little bit later on today. Have a nice morning with my wife. And I was able to go and, yeah, I got 18 holes of golfing, baby. Not a bad weekend. Why do I bring all of this up? I expected this weekend to be an out-and-out shit show for me. Disaster, depression, sadness, all of it. You need to find, between now and March Madness, those little things that get you through. And maybe it's a Saturday night out with friends. Maybe it's some college basketball. Of course, there's Knickerbocker basketball, which we will get to. And Saturday night, that was not one of the particular highlights of my day. But a warm February for us golfers, where you can get some 50s or today was in a, it was high 40s. A couple of people probably think I'm certifiably insane for playing, but no, it was actually a great day to be out on the golf course. So hit the ball well. I'm ready for Las Vegas. I'm ready for South Africa. And away we go. All right. So long story short, kick-ass weekend, made the most of it without football being a part of my life. So I, I, I'm going to be curious to see what you ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, over these next few weeks, and I know I will be out of the country the last two weeks in February, but you guys kind of got to let me know on your Sundays. All right, what, what's getting us through? What's making us pass the time? And maybe it's Grammy debates and discussions. And the Grammys are on right now. I, I leave my parents' house and you got the great Miley Cyrus. Does she look good? Does she not look good? Me and my father saying yes. All the women in my household think she looks horrible. So, you know, it's when you have award shows, you got to have a little fun with it, you know? So big time weekend in the Jastrzemski household, that's for sure. Now, let's get to the Knicks. They lose on Saturday night. Winnable game. Game slipped away from them in the fourth quarter. And I think Saturday is a good example of why injuries ultimately and eventually will always catch up with you. The Knicks played some brilliant basketball on Tuesday. Shorthand. Thursday, they had the great come from behind win against the Pacers and Brunson wolves them back. And you got some good minutes out of McBride. But you're going up in weight class, even with the Lakers struggles. They went to Boston without LeBron and Anthony Davis and won on Thursday. And you knew their big players were going to get up for the stage and the bright lights of playing at Madison Square Garden in a primetime audience with everybody and their mother kind of gluing their eyes to see what's going to happen in a nationally televised game and the Lakers came to play. Listen, they hit a ton of shots in the fourth quarter. All of their role players stepped up. LeBron and Anthony Davis are able to do their thing. And their defense basically said in the fourth quarter, anybody but Jalen Brunson. We are going to double and triple team Jalen Brunson any chance we get. We are going to throw additional bodies at Jalen Brunson any chance we get. And the other players were unable to take advantage. I'm sure that's going to be a blueprint that you see a lot more of in the absence of Julius Randle. And to me, and this is why we're going to have Ian Begley on the show coming up in a little bit. I think the Knicks got to be aggressive here at the trade deadline. Now, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole that some tried to have some fun with, and I will have some fun with Ian Begley with this, 
the idea that LeBron James is going to get traded to the Knicks between now and Thursday. Like, that is one of the most ludicrous, outrageous, asinine things you could ever present to me. Is this something we might be talking about come summertime? I wouldn't rule that out. What else is new? Another year? Another uh, four, six-year cycle where LeBron James could be linked to the New York Knicks? I mean, some things never change. And LeBron will do everything in his power with towels and uh, veiled cryptic messages that try to, you know, maybe think a certain something is going to happen. But that's not happening on Thursday. How did the Knicks go and improve their basketball team? So to me, they need instant offense off the bench. This is this is not breaking ground. I am not reinventing the wheel. I, I think we all know that. In making the Ananobi trade, brilliant trade, got the best player in the deal, the bench has been lacking. They've gotten good minutes from Deuce McBride. But it feels like they're a bench player short. And you feel it that much more with Randall not being in there. And then you throw in the fact that Ananobi is not there. And you, not that Grimes is going to light anybody's you know, world on fire, but you don't even have Quentin Grimes. So you basically are down three of your seven, three of your eight rotation type pieces. I like Brown. I think he's a winning player. I like the fact that he was on a championship team. I like the idea that he can handle the ball a little bit. And I like the idea that he wants to be here. So that's a call I'm making. Clarkson, going to give you incredible instant offense. Incredible instant offense. But does he fit the sort of mentality that Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau are looking for out of one of their players? Brogdon has played on some winning teams. I think he's got high basketball IQ, but at times his motor has been questioned. At times his defensive intensity has been questioned. It has been. So Brogdon to me is an interesting piece. Wonder if the Knicks have more interest now in Brogdon over the next few days. And, you know, maybe they go and surprise us and bring in somebody we're not even talking about that we haven't even brought up here on the rumor mill. But I think with the amount of picks the Knicks have at their disposal, and the fact that they're in this boat, third seed in the Eastern Conference, well double digits. I was going to say well over 500. We know that. But double digits and then some over 500. You got to be aggressive. And I'm not saying that there's a trade out there that's going to just totally alter and shift the entire feel of what you have going. But I think the Knicks can be a little trigger happy and going and making a trade. And I would be very, very surprised if we are sitting here on Thursday when I'm out in Las Vegas doing our Super Bowl radio road type deal like we do each and every year where we're not talking about the Knicks bringing in somebody. So we're going to have Ian Bagley join us in a little bit. And I think he's going to do a brilliant job of kind of painting the picture for us as far as, okay, what's out there? What makes sense? And what do the Knicks have to go and give up in order to make it happen? So. That's why you got to have the experts on. Listen, I, I can have fun with the NBA trade machine. I am not plugged in and talking to GMs daily like Ian Begley is talking to GMs daily and is around the Knicks day in and day out where we're, you know, here, there, and everywhere. We're everywhere. But, you know, I don't have 32 GMs kind of you know, planting their seed. Or Clutch and CAA and all these folks giving me the insider information. Maybe at some point in time that'll be me, but not at this point. So the great Ian Begley SOY is going to join us. And we'll have a lot more fun with him doing some Nick basketball. Now, I noticed this Friday when I was at the Rewatchable show. 
my buddy Ryan got on me for this because he kind of used my own words. Stefan has gotten on me for this because they're my own words. And I know I'm accountable for what I say. And I was bellyaching and bitching about the fact that last week I bet against Patrick Mahomes in an AFC title game and it went incredibly poorly. Well, we are a week out from the Niners and the Chiefs in Las Vegas. And here's what I know. Does anybody like the Niners in a game? Go around your office. Go around your school. Go around your barbershop. Go around your Starbucks. Wherever the hell you go. Wherever you hang out. You talk to sports fans like I do every day. Who are you liking the game? 80, 85%? Kansas City? I don't, I don't think I'm going out on much of a limb by saying that, right? 80, 85% Kansas City? Yet, I look on FanDuel. San Francisco 49ers are favored. And the line is not working against them. It is moving with them. So what's up with that? And I know a lot of you listening are probably like, JJ, your picks have absolutely stunk this postseason. Who cares? Well, you know I'm a feisty, competitive SOB. Big time. I'm going down swinging. And I lost my first Super Bowl in a long, long time last year with the Eagles and the Chiefs. It was actually the first Super Bowl wager that I have lost. And I'm not just saying this to my own horn. I'm just telling you how good I've been in nailing the game. It was the first Super Bowl I lost since the MetLife Super Bowl, which was Seahawks, Broncos. I mean, that was Super Bowl. feels like it was like another lifetime ago back in 2013, 2014. So we've had a nice little run with these Super Bowls. We'll see if that run can get back on track. Uh, when the official pick comes out on Thursday, and we'll have Joe B, we'll have Art Dice from the desert. We have a cavalcade of stars that are going to be joining us out in Las Vegas. We have some doozies. Now, you're not going to hear all of them next week because, remember, I am going to be away. So we're going to try and be strategic about this. Uh, we're going to see how the spots go, and then we'll kind of map it out and go from there. But we have some really intriguing ones that I'm very, very excited about. So I, I don't even like teasing them until they're done. Because I expect to talk to certain people. I do. But things do happen. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to let you guys down. I don't want to give you guys false promises if uh, one of these interviews fall through. But we got a couple of big-time stars who are going to be joining the show. Big-time, big-time, big-time stars. That's all I'm going to say. So, should be a fun week in Las Vegas. I'm going to miss not having my guy Stefan out there, but don't get me started on that. Uh, voicemails. Let's hear them at 917-382-1151. All right, let's hear them, Steph. Let's go. AJ, what's up? Brad from NYC. Soon to be uh, Brad from Hoboken again. I've been back there in a couple weeks. Um, I'm not going to overreact about uh, that Nick Frost. You know, it's a tough one. We were so undermanned. Just one nine in a row. All good in England. But you really felt how undermanned you were when you look at the box score and see Josh Hart got the ball. 16 times tonight. I love heart, love his hustle, um, love his grinder um, approach, but yeah, that's not a recipe for winning. It's him shooting 16 times. Anyway, um, everybody keeps talking about how we got to trade for a superstar, we got to do this, and be, you know, but what's wrong with the team we have now? Add some bench help, 
I want Brogdon or Clarkson. And then, you know, check ball. We can play with anyone. I'm not scared of the Celtics if we add a legitimate bench scorer and somebody that can uh, take a little bit of a load off Brunson while um, while Randall's out. So, you know what? Let's go. I feel great about this team. It's the most fun team I've seen in my life, I think. Um, yeah. You're the man. Well, Brett, I appreciate that. Um, I don't think people are going out on a limb and discussing the idea of the Knicks bringing the star at this point in time. I know it's been bigger picture conversation. I know it's stuff that I've talked about on my show and I've talked about on multiple occasions, but not right now. This is about adding a complimentary piece. And you hit on two of the names that are going to be linked to the Knicks. And I think what the Knicks have to figure out is who fits their team the best? Because what they don't want to do is bring in somebody that doesn't get what they're all about. And it sure seems like to me, the Knicks are trying to build a team of guys who are all ball. It's no bullshit. It's no nonsense. You got to be wired the right way in order to play on this Knicks team. So I fully expect that whoever they go and bring in is going to be wired a certain way to go and fit this team. Now, do you have to sacrifice some of that to bring in some offense? You might. But you don't want to do it fully. That's why I'm very curious to see who is the player that they're going to target and who fits the best. I like Brown myself. The more and more I've thought about it, the more and more I like Bruce Brown. I've kind of talked myself into it, but listen, this front office, from what they have shown you, Steven Chenzo move, awesome. Brunson move, all-time awesome. All-time good. This Ananobi trade looks fantastic. I trust them. I can't believe I'm saying it. It feels Awkward and out of place. I trust the Nick front office. I really do in a big way. So I expect them to get it right come Thursday. I do. I think they're going to add a nice complimentary piece to this team. Let's take two more. Hey, JJ. It's Anthony from Times River. I um, kind of want to comment on the latest uh, baseball stuff involving the Yankees. Um, you mentioned last week that the Orioles um, traded for Corbin Burns. And when I first heard that deal, I was pretty upset because I figured especially when you found out the package that the Orioles gave up, it wasn't a lot to acquire someone like Corbin Burns. But the more that I kind of like sit back and think about it, you know, a lot of, a lot of Yankee fans want the Yankees to kind of revert back to that 09 off the, or the 08 off season. It's 09 where they basically spent on three huge free agents in Burnett um, and CC obviously and Teixeira. I think though that, you know, this is probably like one of the biggest off seasons that the Yankees have had in recent memory. You know, whether it's acquiring Stan or acquiring Garrett Cole, they really only, you know, that was like pretty much the big signing. They acquired Soto. They even get Lewis Stroman, Verdugo. I think they're going to be okay. But what this tells me more than anything else is that I think they are going to be very committed to Juan Soto because they're not making deals like a Corbin Burns where they would have to resign or like a Josh Hader where they'd have to pay money to, or at least feel obligated to. I think you're seeing that the Yankees, at least in my interpretation, they're very committed to Juan Soto going forward after this year. And I do think even if they don't make any more moves, although I do think they need to make minor moves with the bullpen, 
Um, I think they'll be okay, and I do think they'll be contenders in the offseason. Obviously, I still want them to be aggressive. Um, obviously, still not the biggest fans of Boone and Cashman going into 2024, but it is what it is. Um, so just kind of bringing a little bit of optimism uh, about two to three days after the Corbin Burns acquisition with Baltimore. So just kind of want to get your thoughts on that, JJ. All right, take care. Anthony, I appreciate it. I'll tell you what would scare me more. It's the idea that Baltimore, and Joel Sherman wrote a really good column on this, and I think either Saturday or Sunday's New York Post, I was reading it. Really, really good column. It's more discussing the idea that Baltimore, maybe, they play the cards right, could be the next Astros. Because they're young, they have nailed a bunch of draft picks. They've developed young, dynamic players. And now, all of a sudden, they got new ownership. And it's like this black cloud has been lifted away from the Baltimore Orioles. They don't got to deal with Angelos. You know, I have my buddy Jackson, who's one of our PAs at SNY. Great kid. Uh, college basketball nut. I'm going to have him on the pod at some point when we do college basketball picks because he's like, Gambling on these games like crazy. So when we do brackets for the NCAA tournament, I will absolutely have him involved at some point. It'll be a lot of fun with Jackson. Great kid. But um, he's I didn't even see this, but it was a part of sports night. When he found out that they got Burns, he's doing laps as an Oriole fan. He's doing laps the other day when Angelos gets rid of the team. Like It, it has a similar vibe to when the Wilpons sold the Mets. Very, very similar vibe. Now, I don't know if they're getting their version of Steve Cohen but whatever they're getting is better than what they have. And it means they're going to spend money. So it's like young dynamic team. They're going to add. They're going to be aggressive. That's problematic for the Yankees because they're going to be in their division. And as far as the Yankees with Soto, listen, the Yankees better resign Soto. They're the Yankees. They're going to have work to do on their roster complementing the big stars on the team. But it's easier to do that when you have the big stars on the team. Judge, Cole, Soto. It's easier to do. Um, how about yes, bringing back Girardi? Forgot to mention that. We got to get Girardi on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to have to reach out to Allison. When I come back in March, I want Girardi on the podcast. For what it's worth, that was Girardi was managing the team, but we know that's never going to happen for obvious reasons. Uh, I, I'm a big Girardi guy. First of all, Girardi was a tremendous Yankee manager. Tremendous. Because not only did he win in 2009, but you look at what he did with those 13, 14, 15, 16 Yankee teams that weren't any good. They were aging. They were awkward rosters. Found ways to win. A couple of those years, easily could have bottomed out. And 2017, he's the closest the Yankees been to a World Series since 09. And Girardi was good on TV. When he did yes a few years ago, more than a few years ago, I think he was on the Yes Network in like 2007. Jeez, old Yankee Stadium. I was a sophomore. Pounding Natty Lights and Rolling Rocks in Syracuse. Hey, I look better now than I did in college. Oh. <laughs> Saw a picture, you know, like they were doing those flashbacks when you were in college. I'm like, geez. I know it might have been a little more baby face, but uh, a lot more. Those runs, I wasn't doing those runs in college. It showed. 
It showed, let me tell you. Um, but Girardi will be really good on TV. Uh, so we got to have him on. Because I, I think he'll he'll give us a good perspective on what's going on with the Yankees. I'm looking forward to him doing games. It's a good hire by yes. All right, let's take one more. Hey, JJ, Charlie Elmer's calling. Uh, I want to talk about the Knicks. And, like, the Knicks this season, like, I feel like this Knicks team, like, obviously the nine-game win is just by LeBron Lakers. And that kind of jumped me off in terms of, like, man, like, Brunson is a number one, like, athlete from your top 15 list. A couple of months ago, he's in the pod. Like, rightfully so, he's captivating the city. He's inspiring the city and all Knicks fans. But, like, you saw some of, like, you know, deficiency not having Julius Randle and obviously and not having OG for last week. And because he's getting a lot of double teams and you worry there are a lot of owners for him like pressure on him, but I think he can handle it. But where I think the Knicks should get a somebody at the trade down line, like a guard scoring type of player, like Bruce Brown, Clarkson, um, Alec Burks, because the last couple of games, the bench production has been, uh, has been like really at a lack of position right there. And it'll be interesting because I feel this Nick team can make some noise. I feel like this Nick team, like you never know because this, I feel like this Eastern conference can be picked off, can be picked off. Like you knew this with the Philly, with MB, like out. You never know with Milwaukee, with Doc Rivers, whole thing's going on. And obviously the Celtics, like, like, I know they're the best team, but, like, you know, they lose to the Lakers the other day without LeBron and Anthony Davis. On and on goes. But I think the – everything depends on what's the situation with Julius Randle. I mean, rebounding two to three weeks, will he be our boy surgery? Will he, will he healed enough to, like, play through it? I think that's going to be key because uh, having Randle – like, as much as we killed him in the playoffs, he's such a flawed player. But, you know, he he performs. He performs. So, uh, like, it'll be interesting how this season pans out because I feel like, hey, this – I mean, this Eastern Conference can be picked off, man. can be picked off. Same thing for the, for the Knicks. But they can't pick off some teams to make a big run in the playoffs because I feel like, man, the window's starting to open up, man. I mean, like, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm loving what this Knicks team to do. So, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season, hopefully, for a class as well. All right, man. See ya. Charlie, I'm feeling the same way. The more and more I watch the Knicks, the more and more I'm starting to convince myself that they could go beyond the second round. It might be foolish. I might be looking back on this in mid-May, and I'm just like, wow, I got suckered in. And wow, I really overhyped the idea of the Knicks' effort and intensity in regular season games being something that other teams just are going to match come playoff time. And the Knicks, we know this about their team. They bring it every night. And it's one of the great characteristics they have as a group. But when you get into playoffs, everybody's bringing it. Everybody's bringing it. For a seven-game series, if you're a top team, if you're a team that, you know, is 
the real deal. And that effort and effort alone is not going to get you there. Listen, the Knicks, they have a guy you trust at the end of the games. Ananobi helps them a lot defensively. I think they need another offensive piece. And for this year, if they're going to get beyond what they did a year ago, not only do they got to get Randall back, they need Randall playing well in the postseason. And that's something that has not been the case the last two times the Knicks have been there. They're going to need Randall to do a lot more. But first things first, the Knicks got to worry about, okay, we get trade deadline on Thursday, if anybody. Two, what's the timetable on getting Julius Randle back on the court? Ian Begley, SOY, NBA insider extraordinaire, who I think is one of the best in the business at what he does. He's going to give us a sense and a feel for who the ideal and logical Nick trade deadline target and candidate might be. Ian Begley is up next. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. So, I like Christian McCaffrey, Super Bowl MVP. I like McCaffrey over rushing attempts. I am going to get involved with Travis Kelsey. You know, Patrick Mahomes is going to look to find Travis Kelsey. And I like the San Francisco 49ers in the game. I know nobody else does, but I do. FanDuel, they have so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. If you're new to FanDuel, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets when you win your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash NYNY to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash NYNY. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler. Visit TheRinger.com slash RG. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. So the Nick winning streak comes to a close. That said, big week awaits. Trade deadline. A lot of moves could be made. Team trying to take that next step. This guy's going to try to help us take the next step. He is doing a fantastic job on SNY. I see him basically every single night on Honda Sports Night from Madison Square Garden. The hardworking, ever-moving Ian Begley. What's up, Ian? How we doing, dude? Ian, I'm starting here. You've been covering the Knicks now decade and a half, give or take. Going back to the Dan Tony Carmelo days. Has this been the most entertaining first half you've ever had to a Knicks season? I would say yes. I mean, even going back to Lynn Sanity, which started around this time, I, I would say yes, just because Jalen Brunson, he just reinvigorated this place and he's given the team a belief night in, night out, no matter who's healthy, who's hurt, they have the ability to compete. And, you know, that's not something you could see, say for past Nick teams. Past Nick teams would be losing these games without, you know, two starters, without three rotation players. He finds a way to beat Indiana the other night. It just, it feels different. He's a winner, and it seems like his professionalism and his confidence rubs off on the group. 
You know I'm a Cuse guy, so I can't believe I'm saying this, Ian. Jalen Brunson is my favorite Nick since Patrick Ewing. Wow. And that's not a knock and that's not a slight on Carmelo. I just think it's kind of a testament to what you're talking about with Brunson. This idea of making his teammates better. This idea of raising the level of play around other guys. That game against the Pacers, I mean, he gets whacked in the face. He gets the ball taken away from him. The referees don't make the call. He comes right down the floor and gets an N1. Are you surprised this guy is this good? I mean, in all honesty, and because I am, and I watched him in college. I liked him in college. I can't believe this guy is this good. Yeah, no, I am, and you're. I'm not alone. You're not alone because the whole league whiffed on Jalen Brunson. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I wonder if you kind of go back and you ask teams what they saw and how they scouted him. They'd probably say, you know, size was an issue. They'd probably say we didn't know if he could do what he's doing, uh, what he did at the college level, at the NBA level. Could he get his shot off defensively? We didn't know what he would be. All legitimate concerns. But I, I got your credit to the Knicks because they saw something. Obviously, the very close relationship, Leon Rose, Tom Thibodeau, uh, close with Rick Brunson, knew Jalen his whole life. They saw something. They knew something that everyone else didn't. They took advantage, and and here we are. He's got he's the on the best contract in the NBA, and he to me has changed the trajectory of this franchise. No doubt about it. And it's crazy thinking about his contract when it went down a few years ago, and I was one of these knuckleheads saying mm, maybe they overpaid for Jalen Brunson. No, it's actually. They underpaid, and he's one of the 2015 best players in the NBA. You're totally, totally right. It's amazing. Is, is there kind of like, like your deal with the ringer. Oh, I don't know about that. Out. Bill Simmons, <laughs> I, I hope like, so. And now we all know you're vastly underpaid. I, I appreciate that. I will use that in my next contract negotiation. I am going to be sure to use that to my advantage. Um, Ian, on a much more serious note, do you need to have now a certain like junkyard dog mentality to play for this team because that's what I'm noticing. And we're going to get to the trade deadline and guys that would fit the team and guys that necessarily wouldn't fit the team. But I kind of look at what's around the Knicks. It's Brunson. It's Josh Hart. Randall. The, the Hartenstein. These guys are grinders. They love ball. It's no nonsense. I almost feel like you have to be wired now a certain way to come in and play for this group. Do you think that's kind of how things are moving forward now, where if you don't have that nothing but ball, down and dirty type of attitude, time being, you can't play for the Knicks? Yeah, it's an interesting observation, JJ, because I would say yes, but then I would say not everyone obviously fits that mold. And then if you're in desperate need to, say, get a score off your bench, do you have to compromise on that because of a need? So I, it, I think in a perfect world, you're 100% right. They want players to fit that mold. I think that's mostly been true during the Thibodeau era, but it's even more true now. But I wonder, do you have to say, hey, we we can't fit that perfectly to a T if we have to fill this need? Let's call it the need at the trade deadline for a score off the bench. And then if you compromise there, does that affect the fit with the rest of the group? You bring up a great point, though. I think certainly perfect world. It's that Villanova mode. It's that we're playing hurt. We've got a chance every night. We're going to we're gonna go 100% every possession. 
uh, that's the mode that they are in, and that's the mode of, of player they're looking for. And you see when a guy fits, when he comes here, like a DiVincenzo, um, and you see kind of the outlier there. It's like not to knock Julius Randle. He's been fantastic offensively, but you see the difference when he's not going 100% each and every possession, defensive possession, and when the guys around him are, it, it stands out. No doubt. So, waiting on Randall News. They don't have Ananobi the last couple of games. They were so gritty against Indiana. They smoked Utah. Kind of ran out of gas a little bit against the Lakers. You know, the Lakers said, we're going to double and triple team Jalen Brunson. We're going to make other guys beat you. They hit a bunch of shots in the fourth quarter. All right, you live. They won nine in a row. You can't win them all. But I think it kind of sums up, Ian. They need help. They need another body or two in here before Thursday. So from what you're hearing around the league, bench scoring and the idea of getting somebody who can give them instant offense, is that number one on the priorities list at the moment? You know, JJ, I would say yes, but I, there's a wrinkle here because all a few weeks leading up to this thing, right, it was they were in on Bruce Brown, Alec Burks, um, Clarkson, depending on who you talk to, the price was going to be high there. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, not so much, although maybe that changes now. We'll get into that a little bit later. But then more recently, right before the Randall injury, there was a thought there that, hey, we're playing well. It's really working out. Uh, let's let's sit tight. Let's not do anything. Let's not mess this up. And I have to think that changed to a degree after the Randall injury. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think basically I know that they have, you know, price points on the guys that they like. And if there's a, there's a match there with the team dealing the guy, something will happen. But I don't think that they, based on how they played recently, I think the, the necessity or the, you know, the, uh, the feeling that, Hey, we have to go out and get somebody isn't well, where it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Especially, you know, you look at the backup center position and Preston Zachua with the way he's played the past, you know, 10 days, I think he's changed their outlook on that position. A couple weeks ago, they probably said, we have to go out and get somebody. I don't know if that's the case right now. I think they're, they feel good about Achua. And so if there's not a deal to be had, they're not going to be desperate uh, in trying to get somebody in. But the bench scoring, I think, is different. I think clearly now with Randall, the uncertainty, you have to go out and get somebody if you're committed to this team continuing to compete this year. And I think you have to be. They're third in the Eastern Conference. They've had a marvelous start. Not that this is necessarily in an all-in championship team, but this is a team that has shown you, hey, guess what? Maybe they can go and win multiple rounds in the postseason and maybe they can improve upon what they did last year. And listen, we're not doctors. We have no idea what the timetable is going to be uh, on Randall. I think he comes back. It's a matter of when, not if. But they, they need help for the time being. So I'll let you be the GM. Who is the guy you think that fits their team the best out of any of the quote-unquote names that have been out there? Yeah, I would say when you talk about fit, you can define it so many different ways. The most seamless to me is Alec Burks, and that's because he's been here. He knows the locker room. He knows Tom Thibodeau, um, and he's done it here before. And so integrating a guy midstream, which is not easy, 
that process would be easier with Alec Burks. Getting salaries to match up with him is a little bit tricky because of who the Knicks have to move. Uh, then you talk about Bruce Brown. Look, I know there's an overlap there uh, a bit with him and with Josh Hart and with others on the roster, but I don't think like just his versatility on defense, the idea that he can handle a ball, I see him as a good fit too. You look at Clarkson, very good score. You look at Malcolm Brogdon, very good score. I just don't know if those guys culturally are fit fitting at the same level as a Brown or a Burks. So that's kind of how I see it. Clarkson, the price is going to be high. Brogdon, if I can get into this for a minute, ha- there hadn't been interest in terms of anything that I had heard uh, over the past few weeks. There hadn't been any serious conversation. I just wonder if that changes now. And I say it because Malcolm Brogdon, represented by Clutch Sports and Rich Paul, and Clutch Sports had been hesitant to do business with the Knicks um, for whatever reason. Uh, it had been that way for a while. More recently, though, Leon Rose and Rich Paul had a clutch sports, had a sit down in the city and they hashed some things out. And uh, from what I heard, they feel like they're in a, in a better spot now to begin whatever new relationship. So I just wonder if that has any impact on the Knicks pursuit of Brogdon. And does it get more serious now that that meeting has happened? So we'll see how it unfolds over the next few days. Fascinating. And, and I love these inner workings with Clutch and Leon Rose. And, you know, normally, Ian, I get you the roster of CAA clients and then we can start <laughs> connecting the dots to see who is going to be a part of the New York Knicks because a yes. lot of CAA guys uh, are a part of this team and nobody's complaining about it because ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. Um, What's the price tag we're talking about for any of these guys? We're talking about a one. You mentioned the idea of making the money work. What do we think the Knicks are going to have to give up in order to go and get something by Thursday? So you talk about Alec Burks, right? I think you're talking about a second. And I think the money working is a little bit tricky because you got Evan Fournier's deal, right? And he's making, call it $19 million. Alec Burks is around 10 So you're going to have to throw another piston in there to make it work. And then you talk about, like, a Bruce Brown is probably, in Toronto could probably get a first, but the tricky thing for the Knicks is with Fournier, he's got an expiring deal with an option for next year. In a perfect world, they acquire a player in a trade who is under contract for next season because that would allow them to have more salary to work with for a trade in the offseason. And Burks does not fit that. He's going to be a free agent in the offseason. So I would think that there are front office people who look at that and say, hey, I don't know, That's it doesn't help us in the big picture. And I would think that there are coaches who say, forget about the big picture. Like, we want to win now, and he's he is our best fit. And so I wonder kind of who wins the day there. But because of Fournier's salary and Grimes, who he's on a rookie deal, so it's hard to match value there, It's not a, there's not an uh, easy layup. Uh, deal to be made here with any of these guys. So it, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how that factors into the proceedings and what they're able to get done or not able to get done. Gut feeling. Are they making a deal between now and Thursday? Mm. It's harder for me to make that call now than it was, let's say, a week ago. I would say yes, because of where they are with Randall, 
with the injuries. So I would, I would say yes, more likely than not. Final one. And I can't believe I'm asking it and I'm not trying to be a troll. I promise. Are you ready for LeBron to the Nick rumors for the 10 zillion <laughs> time in your life? Just when you think, Ian, that it's safe to never bring up the idea of LeBron James and the New York Knicks ever again because you did it in 2010. You did it a few years ago. Well, guess what? Maybe this summer we're talking about LeBron coming to the Knicks one more time, buddy. Get ready. It's back. It is back. Uh, look, from what I heard, uh, I haven't heard anything concrete about specifically LeBron. I don't think that meeting the other day was about one clutch player. I think it was about the entirety of clutch uh, with the Knicks and smoothing our relations there. So I, I actually know, I know that. Uh, but look, you never say never. Would that be the move that pushes them forward? I don't think so. Would that be the move that, you know, the business side of the Knicks would love? Uh, absolutely. So I don't think so. I don't see it. But the idea that uh, that Clutch and the Knicks are, are on, in a better place now, it makes it more plausible than not. If you're asking me to guess, I would guess no. Uh, but look, that thing is not going to die until, I guess, LeBron retires. I, don't, I think that's it's going to go out when he goes out. We're going to be talking about it until Sounds about right. Listen, I know you're going to have a very busy next couple of days, so I appreciate you giving us a few minutes, giving us a sense for what's going on with this trade deadline. Ian, check out the Putback digital show. You can find that on SOY TV. Then, of course, you see him all the time on Sports Night. He's doing the hits. He's doing all his insider reporting, one of the best in the business. Begs, keep up the good work, man. Thanks for doing this, all right? My pleasure, JJ. Hey, enjoy Vegas, all right? Uh, I will. Hopefully, I'll make it back in one piece, bro. We will, we will try. <laughs> I can't promise that. That's Ian Bagley, SNY. We're coming right back. Good stuff with Ian. Uh, love that guy. One of my favorite followers on Twitter. Just fantastic, fantastic dude. So glad he gave us a few minutes on what's going on with the trade deadline. All right. From one fantastic dude to another. Larry, last trivia before Vegas. Take it easy on me. I'm having a good day today. Hit the golf ball well. Should have walked off 18 with a par, by the way, at Silver Lake. Missed like a four-foot downhill putt. Just just missed. Under 100, though. For not playing a month, I am giddy about that. But I'll be more giddy if I can get your trivia questions right. Let's go. AJ, Larry, cool Super Bowl trivia today. Question one, who was the first team to win the Super Bowl as a wild card team? Question two, who is the career rushing leader in Super Bowl history? I'm out. All right, I'm going to start with the wild card team. I think the first team to win as a wild card to win. John Elway's Denver Broncos. Ah, mm. oh, They did win. They did win. But it has to be prior to that. Has to be prior to that. To win as a wild card team means there were multiple games on the road. Stefan, is it the, the Marcus Allen Raiders in the early 80s? There we go. 
So before my time, see, I, I knew it was possible was that Raider team. But I, in my lifetime, I remember the Elway team because they smoked Jacksonville. They went to Kansas City and won. And then they won at Pittsburgh. And they were big underdogs at Kansas City. Schottenheimer team. I believe it was Steve Bono and... It was either Steve Bono and Rich Gannon or it was Steve Bono and Elvis Gerback. I forget who his quarterbacks. Uh, but they yucked that game up. And then the Steelers, it was Cordell Stewart. And they ended up beating Cordell Stewart at the old Three Rivers Stadium. Remember that one well. So I, I love that you did a little Super Bowl trivia for me. And I showed you. Listen, even though I'm uh, I'm a youngin at 35, I can show off my history and flex every now and again. All right. The career rushing leader in Super Bowl history. See, this gets tricky because you really have to think about guys that have been in the game multiple times. Now, Stefan, let me make sure I got this question right. We're talking about the most rushing yards for any player in Super Bowl history. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, I'm making sure I have the question right. I don't want to screw it up. So it's got to be a guy. That's played in a lot of Super Bowls. Has to be. Which kind of points me in like a New England Patriot direction. The issue is the Patriots have had a lot of different guys run the ball for them. You know, they had Antoine Smith. They had Corey Dillon, they had Lawrence Maroney, they had Vereen, they had James White, they had 10 zillion different running backs. So odds are they split the baby and, you know, they took a 10-year hiatus from going to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to say it's not a New England Patriot. You got to think about, to me, guys who have been there multiple times, guys who have played well in the Super Bowl. Multiple times. So my first guess on this, and for what it's worth, Stefan, I do not feel great about this question. The wild card team, I felt great. This one I don't feel great about. I'm going to go with Emmett Smith. No good. Is my logic accurate, Stefan? And I got to be thinking about a guy who's been there multiple times that's, yes. you know, had his moments Absolutely. multiple times. Absolutely. You're okay, in the right so, neighborhood thinking dynasties, teams that went back to back. Uh, your your assumption on the, the Patriots is correct. They 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 swapped out running backs like damn near every year. Um, so yes, this is somebody who's been to the Super Bowl a lot of times. Okay. I like that. I like that. Franco Harris for Pittsburgh. Go. See, sometimes it just requires a little effort and, and a good knowledge base of history. I'm proud of my trivia performance today. It's kind of like my putting today. It was good. It was not great. I didn't have any one putts, but we didn't have any three putts either. So, you know, anytime I can make a trivia golf analogy, you know, I'm uh, chomping at the bit to do that. Oh, we are going to have one hell of a week, man. Hopefully, we got everything lined up as far as the guests are concerned. Um, wise guys ready to go and hopefully a Super Bowl winner from you, truly. Uh, I got to nail this pick. I feel like there's pressure on me. I got to nail this pick. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, 
couple of plays maybe in college basketball for a Monday. What do we got? What up, JJ? Just want to hear a handicap to fix me for Monday. We got a college basketball game. I'm going to go with Virginia minus the five over Miami. So we're going to go with Virginia minus the five. Let's see if we got a family play on this. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. All right, Jeff Money. I like the Virginia play. They had a big win on Saturday at Clemson. The line is moving with them. And Miami has just been very suspect away from their building all season long. I'd roll with Virginia in that game. I like Kansas State grabbing points. And I was actually dumb enough to bet Kansas. Good thing. I said I was going to tweet out some picks. Good thing I didn't tweet out picks. Because my leans on any of these college games this weekend were just dead wrong. And I know St. John's is going to beat UConn. They were up at halftime. I liked where the game was at for them. And then they just got completely overwhelmed in the second half. And, you know, Patino said it best after the game. They're not on the level of UConn. And honestly, if you look around college basketball, and this pains me to say as a Syracuse guy, my team stinks. Plus by like 30 points to Wake Forest, giving up 100 points, embarrassing. But uh, who's better than UConn? Winning back-to-back is really difficult. So odds are when March Madness rolls out, we do our brackets in mid-March. I'm probably not going to pick UConn to win the whole thing just because history tells us they're probably not going to win. I mean, we haven't seen a repeat champ in college basketball since who? The Billy Donovan, Al Horford, Joe Kim Noah, Florida Gators. Dino thinks they're better than they were last year. But does that mean they're going to win? Who knows? They got that voodoo in March. We know that. And it's now carried over with Dan Hurley. So it's a setback for St. John's, who right now is dying for a marquee win. But they have good computer metrics. They have good computer numbers. And they have more opportunities, like against Creighton, later on in February to go and get themselves into March. I still think Patino's going to get them there. Patino teams always seem to be playing their best basketball at the end of the year. They do, and I think he'll figure out a way to get them there. I love the vibe in that building on Saturday was amazing. To have UConn and St. John's at high noon, and then to have the Knicks and the Lakers at night, I know it didn't go the way the New York fan would want it to go. Although I think a lot of you listening to the program are big UConn guys, so maybe you don't care about the college game, but you get my drift. It's just the idea that you have a monster Big East game that people are very much interested in. And then the Knicks playing the Lakers, and it's like star-studded across the board. Good time. Good time to be a New York basketball fan. At least if you were from Knicks. At least if you do. On that note, we will chat when I get out to Las Vegas. Um, If something breaks between now and Thursday, we'll probably hop on Twitter Spaces. In fact, we will hop on Twitter Spaces. So that is something you should be looking out for. Um, We got all sorts of content coming your way from Sin City. We will have a bunch of spots that you might hear this week next week and the following week. So we got some good ones lined up. We don't just take anybody. We try to be really particular about the guys that interest me. Like I'm not one of these guys that's going to go to Radio Row and do 10 zillion interviews. Uh, I'm going to do like three to four a day and they're going to be good. Like I'm not doing 10 interviews if the interviews suck. Just to say I had so-and-so on the show. No, I don't care. They got to interest me because if they interest me, they'll interest you. That's what we try to do. So Hopefully we'll accomplish that over the next few days. 
Wheels up. JJ out. Enjoy your Monday. Let's keep the good vibes going. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem for 100 Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-I'm with it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.